0: Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Cracking Addiction. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and tonight we have with us Mr. Stephen Hurd. Now, Steve is an expert in family violence. So Stephen, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, Fergal. Great to be here.
0: And I think what we really want to do in this first episode is to kind of introduce the subject and then explain to viewers and listeners that we're going to do a series of episodes exploring all of the facets of family violence. So, so first of all, what is family violence? Well, start start at the pointy end. Um, mm.
1: I guess it's uh, it's a whole series of behaviours um, really centred on the idea of power and control. Where yeah. one one party wants power over another party, in other words, one member of a couple, um, yeah, wants to control, dominate, um, and um, and make their own, I guess, um, their partner. It's most uh, evident in intimate partner settings, mm. in, uh, you know, um, men and women, de facto married, whatever, um, yeah. or same same sex relationships as well. Um hmm. uh but not just those relationships, other familial relationships, other family based relationships too, where one member wants to have power over another.
0: Yeah, that's a very good way of thinking about it, isn't it? It's power and control, but yeah, yeah. And what makes you what puts you in the position of being able to talk about this? Why why are you here?
1: Oh, well, wow,
0: that's, that's a great. <laughs> that's another pointy end the question, isn't it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, there are two parts to that. There's, the, there's yeah. the professional part to it, and I guess there's the personal part to it as well. All right. Tell us more. And uh, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the professional part says, well, I'm uh, I'm, I'm now reached a, a status of being called a family violence advisor in the Drug and Alcohol Agency, in which I work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that role's about building capability and capacity around responding to family violence, but in a Drug and alcohol setting. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to that, I've had about 10 years experience in men's behaviour change. Um, some people might know something called the Duluth model coming out of uh, Minnesota in America um, and here in Melbourne, Victoria. Um, we use those that basic framework in group settings to uh, engage men who've been identified as using violence towards their uh, female partners. Uh, to take responsibility for their behavior. Mm. And I guess I re- the reason I got into that <laughs> was sort of personal reasons. Right? Mm. We've all got our own life history. We've all got our own lived and living experience of what we do. And I guess I, I came to a point in my work, in my work experience, I wanted to do something of value uh, rather than mm. commercial work. Uh, and this really intersected really nicely. The opportunities arose to intersect what I, I know in a, as a lived experience, of family violence um, through uh, through the previous fifty odd years, and mm-hmm. then um, really wanted to capitalise on that to think I could make a difference.
0: So really, your your interest in family violence really has started out. With your experience uh, dealing with men's behavioral change projects, yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. so Engagement I suppose it would be useful. Useful. It would be useful idea to think about or to talk about, really, men's behavioral change programs. Now, I think <laughs> if I said to you, anger management classes, you would you would rail against that. I would imagine. Explain. <laughs> let's start off with explaining the difference between an anger management class. And men's behavioural change programs. What, what, what You know, let, let's talk a bit about that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, anger management was big in the eighties, uh, I guess, and nineties. Uh, yeah. Well, st- still is to some degree, uh, mm-hmm. with the idea of saying, well, if a person can control their anger, well, then they won't get violent. Yeah. Um, and so the strategies are around. Uh, emotional regulation and in the moment type of uh, time out, um, being able to stop, think and act, those kinds of things. Uh, So in the moment kind of strategies, which, you know, may or may not work in given different settings. Road rage is probably a a good one. Can we stop and think and then act accordingly when the guy in front of us cuts us off? Um, So that's that model of anger management or or behaviour change, I guess, if it's not actually behaviour change. But when it comes to relationships, it's it's Mm. not quite that simple uh, because what they've found is the key drivers in family violence um, is is gender-related, what my beliefs are around the other person or the gender around the other person, what I project onto the other person. Um, And typically these are behaviours associated with men Uh, trying to -hmm. control their female partners. Um, So behavior change is more about getting to the belief systems so Mm -hmm. that that averts that that sort of cognitive trail of thinking that then leads Mm -hmm. me to a point of being able to justify my use of violence towards the other person.
0: So let's talk about that cognitive pathway. Can you give us an example of the cognitive pathway that leads to family violence? Just one example.
1: Let's say, um, let's say I'm out at the nightclub with my with my girlfriend. Might not even be my wife. Just my. Let's <laughs> say so I don't have a wife. I only have a girlfriend, and I've taken her out to the nightclub, and and uh, we're having a good time. Had a few drinks, and a lot of light, a lot of noise, a lot of people. Um, I go to the bathroom. And then come back, and she's talking to some bloke at the bar. And then I think, mm. far out, what's going on here? Is this is this the is this what's been going on? She's just talking to these guys, you know when my back's turned, and cheating me, cheating on me. Is this what's really going on? And all these sort of thoughts start to sort of uh, come on. You might drag in, well, this happened before too, or. I know she's been lying about something and this is probably it. Mm. And all these thoughts become sort of stacked in, in my thinking. And then by the time I've walked from the bathroom to the bar, my uh, my heart's racing, my blood's boiling. Um, I've got probably clenching my fists, just sort of trying to diffuse the energy a bit. And then what happens after that? Well, we'll probably talk about that. It's that build-up of those thoughts that... Um, then lead into an area of, of dangerous thinking, or they or they support
0: dangerous thinking. Well, you see, I I think it's slightly different. I, I would describe it slightly more than that. I mean, I think we've got we've all got triggers in our life, right? We all we all feel hurt and rejected, and we all experience pain. And we we you know, let's face it, you know, in that example, let's let's reflect on that example. We've all had our hearts broken. We've all had relationship issues. Um, but for me it's yeah, it goes back to what you said it's coercion and control you know it's it's as if you know my partner is my property, and I'm allowed to do with my partner as I see fit and if if what I see fit involves punishment or control of this property that I own, then I can exert my rights upon that property. It's not just a trigger, isn't it? There is a whole thought thinking behind. I'm allowed to do this. That's right. No, you. What, what, what do you think?
1: I, I, I think, yeah, yeah, you're spot on. It's a different level. It's a different level. It's a more of an ongoing, uh, insidious level of, uh, of, of sense of entitlement around I own this piece mm. of property, like you say. Uh, I've got rights yeah. over it. Um, and there are social sort of uh, cues I can probably pull on that help support that thinking too. Mm. Me as a man. I'm probably the breadwinner, yeah. I'm the decision-maker at home,
0: and therefore what I say
1: goes. And, yeah. And so having, I'm a
0: man's man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, my friends are too. Yeah. And my friends tell me yeah. I am too. My friends friends don't like me to, to uh, be under my partner's thumb, that's for sure. And I like to tell them I'm not.
0: Mm. And I need to show everyone that I'm in control. That's right. And she does what I say
1: when I say it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, there's consequences. Otherwise, there's trouble at home, at trouble at home. When we get home between the four walls of the house, that's when family violence is typically enacted in the secrecy of the home.
0: Yeah. Now, one, one of the other things that really struck me as as as, as, as interesting is that You know, you see, I've seen so often these adverts on TV or or billboard posters about how, you know, if my home team loses, then my wife is in for a building. If the team that I identify with loses, do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean.
1: There's a lot of... uh... Let's talk about that. There's a, there's a lot of observational research around big sporting events and mm. the increase in police call-outs after that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, due to... The
0: advert goes, what times kick-off?
1: <laughs> I, I haven't actually seen that, but that's a interesting...
0: Oh, that's a UK thing. Yeah,
1: it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Let's, let's flip it a little bit too, and I'll add to, add, add to it. It's not so much about whether... What do you think of this? What do you think of this thing? It's... The research really points to it. It doesn't actually matter if my team
0: wins or loses. It's the emotional arousal.
1: And what else goes with it?
0: And the booze.
1: And then what else goes with it? And the drugs. The booze, Maybe. the drugs. And yeah. the uh, the viewer, the supporter, feeling entitled to do things. Yeah. If the team loses, I'm going to get angry and mad. If the team wins, I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate. And everyone's going to celebrate with me.
0: I'm about well you? if you don't want to celebrate. That's exactly right.
1: Of what else is going on for the yeah. family at the time? Kids need to still be put to bed. Yeah, the, the dishes the bin, need to be done. The dishes Kids need, need to be, to
0: be fed. bad. Rubbish bins need to be put out. You can't. Uh, you can't stay up all night boozing because your partners might be working at five a.m. The double shift to support the family. One final point. I just want to. I want, we need to wrap up this first episode. But you did mention the Duluth model. Let, let's just quickly talk about the Duluth model.
1: Okay. Okay, it's been around since the '80s. I guess a lot of family mm. violence work's been uh, stems from the '80s. That's when that's when movement yeah. sort of started yeah. to think that there's this other thing going on at home um, that we need to look into. You no know, women are coming and telling mm. their doctors or their priests or other yeah. uh, other notable sort of social you know, contacts they've got that bad things are happening mm. at home and and as we can probably recall, no, it wasn't often believed. And so it was uh, now thought of to actually respond to that, to the these women's stories. And there's a town in uh, Minnesota, in uh, America, called Duluth, and they have really taken the bull by the horns, not just in that men's behaviour change example I mentioned, but a whole of community response. Police, courts, um, what else is it, probably education systems, um, uh, family violence services, non-family violence services, all the other services, mental health, drug and alcohol, uh, yeah. et cetera. But in all of community response, and they've been doing that since since the 90s. Yeah. And men's behaviour change is the way to engage the man in that invitational way to offer offer support, treatment, if you will, around their, their behavior, mm. uh, but that doesn't work for, for men. All well, men are interested in that. And so no. other responses are, are put in place. And so the understanding is that family violence is around the man's behavior, not about the woman needing to leave or, or to make change herself. So that's that's, mm. that's probably the, 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 yeah. the entire model.
0: All right, Steve, we're gonna have to uh, wrap it up for today's episode. But uh, I really hope that we can uh, meet again very shortly. So thank you very much for your time and expertise. Absolute pleasure, Fergal. Thanks very much. That's all for today, folks. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and this has been Cracking Addiction.